And then to uh, continue our series on leadership is our lead pastor, Pastor Roland Gray. All right, thank you, Tam. Say, God bless you, Tam. Doesn't she look good up here? Doesn't she look good up here? Great job, Tam. Thank you. You know, we're continuing our series on leadership, and we are serious about raising up leaders and bringing up leaders. Uh, so don't be surprised when you see other faces up here uh, because we believe in trusting people and throwing them out there. Amen. <laughs> and so, no, no, but we believe this is home. We, we believe this is an environment where you just can't lose because we love people too much, don't we? Amen. So, all right. Well, uh, just a, as a, another reminder, next Saturday, uh, we are going to be doing some canvassing in view uh, of looking forward towards our, uh, our Easter. The, the, oh, it's the first. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. The first. Okay, but mark that on your calendar. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm traveling next week, ain't I? <laughs> yeah, no, don't come next Saturday. Uh, you'll be by yourself. So. Um, but the following Saturday, the first, yes, we're going to be doing some canvassing. We're going out to the neighborhoods. We want the neighborhoods to know that there's a church in their area. We're going to have some door hangers. Look, it is non-threatening, okay? We were joking around this morning. We said we're going to get door hangers. Everybody is, everybody's hope is that they don't run into somebody. So they, they can go and put a door hanger and then leave, right? But how many know getting the word out and inviting people, that's what we want to do because we want God to impact this city using this church. Not only that, it creates a faith muscle in us, doesn't it? To actually go out and to step out and do something. And who knows, maybe you might be one of the lucky ones where they're outside. And you get to say, hi, my name is. And I goes, you know, more times than not, somebody will say, oh, no, thank you. We say, well, God bless you. And we just go on to the next house, okay? So it's non-threatening. We're going to do that. After that, we're going to the park. Uh, we'll give you all that information um, it's going to be a bring-your-own-food thing. We're going to bring some Frisbees and footballs. We'll hang out um, and uh, do some, some good uh, fellowship. Amen? All right, so mark that. I hope you make an effort to come out because we do love to get to know you guys. All right, so we have a lot to go over today <clears throat> as we continue our series <clears throat> on leadership. How many know Jesus is the ultimate leader? And so we're going to look at his life and a moment between him and the disciples, and this is going to be the springboard for our uh, message. But uh, I wanted to bring you back in time. Uh, before I was a pastor, I was a campus minister at the University of Guam. Every other Tuesday, we would get all the students together, and we would do this consistently. We'd pair up two by two. We'd get in a group. We'd pray that God would bless us as we go out and we share his word. And then we'd go out by twos, and we would invite people, or we would just kind of share our faith share our testimony. And there was one particular time where, uh, you know, people aren't breaking down the doors to get to a Bible study all the time, right? And so whenever you have a visitor, you notice it. And there was one particular student who showed up, and his name was Steve. Steve was a part of a program where the government, because of his income, uh, the government paid for his schooling, the government even paid for his housing. And so Steve... Uh, was probably about maybe 5'2", wasn't uh, very tall. Um, he was morbidly obese, and he, um, he smelled pretty bad, just to be straight up honest with you guys. Uh, smelled pretty bad, uh, but we welcomed him. We loved him. We got to know him. 
Um, and uh, he became consistent in our group. He got saved. He got born again. Loved Jesus. There was a particular time where his foot got infected. Uh, and so, you know, me being the, the campus minister, you know, the campus pastor, you know, I volunteered. Let me, let me help. And so he couldn't get around uh, because he was overweight. He was stuck at home. Uh, and I, so I, I said, well, you know, well, how can I help? He gives me his prescription. I go and I get that. I pick it up. And I also bring his food. And so being that he was morbidly obese, um, he wasn't able to shower all the time, uh, which is why the, the smell was very evident. He couldn't change his clothes very often, so he wore the same clothes for days at a time. And so if you are uh, from the background where I come from, my mom was Filipino, uh, you don't enter her house without taking off your shoes. And I can remember the first fellowship where we got together as uh, students and he was there. And so we were at um, a student's house and he showed up and he took off his shoes. And man, I tell you, it would, the, the, there was this smell that, that like not just hit you, it like punches you in the nose, right? And so, but, but we loved him. We, we loved on him. We, you know, he, he became part of us. But back to the story, I get to his apartment and I, and I walk in, and I was not really prepared for what I saw. You walk into his living room, and you can't really navigate. There was stuff everywhere. Um, so I give him his medicine, and of course I need to get him a drink. And so I head over to his kitchen. And in his kitchen is a sink full of dishes. Probably hadn't been washed, and I, I don't know when. And, and the smell even inside the apartment was, was pretty pretty pungent and so you know I continue to wash a few dishes so that I can give him a drink so he could take his medicine uh, and then some soup that I bought that he can eat because he needed to be on a on a soft diet um, and I can remember you know trying to clean and and and, and roaches and I mean just everything just you, you guys are getting a picture as to what we were we were putting you know what I was putting myself through this is what I was thinking really to be honest with you. And as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, what am, I, what am I doing here? What did I get myself into? You know, it's one thing to, to love somebody, and then it's another thing to, to do this. And me being the spiritual guy, I probably should not have been thinking that. But that's the reality of the situation. I kept asking myself, what am I doing here? I should, I'm, I'm a campus pastor. I should be sharing my faith with people on campus. What am I doing here? And so we're going to read a story in the Bible where I believe Jesus was kind of in the same situation, except he probably wanted to be there, unlike myself. So we're going to turn to John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. Jesus, the God that we love and serve, finds himself in a somewhat similar position. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. You can follow along with me on the screen if you don't have something to read in your hands. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, by the way, 
Simon's son. That's the only time this man's name was named in the Bible. I don't know if you would want to be that parent where you're named specifically because of something that your kids did that was not good. But that's the only time his, this, Judas's dad is mentioned. Uh, and it's not for a good reason. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, that's speaking of authority, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. Now, I don't know if, if you have ever washed anybody's feet. And I'm not talking about your children when they're small. I'm talking about if you've ever washed somebody's feet. Even worse, I don't know if somebody has ever washed your feet. In our culture, it, this doesn't really apply, but we're still going to get the picture here. We're going to get into this. But I, I can remember a time where... Uh, it was about the same time where I had known Steve. Um, it was me and a couple of other single guys. We split the rent on an apartment. I don't know if you guys remember me telling a story about one of my roommates who would pray for my car whenever it broke down. I don't know if you guys remember that. His name was Mark, Mark McCorkle. He is now a U.S. Army chaplain. He's one of my friends with the biggest faith that I know. And um, we were watching one of my Favorite speakers in the world. His name is uh, Pastor Tony Evans. You guys might know who he is. Um, great teacher. We were watching this video when he was younger. And he was doing this men's conference. And he was talking about this scripture here. And he's talking about washing, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And he began to make reference to his friends who were pastors. And he said, you know, if there was a basin of water here, pastors because because I love you and because you're my brothers I would wash your feet he continued to preach lo and behold a couple of guys walk up with a tub of water and some chairs and some towels I don't know where they got it in this gigantic stadium maybe they went to the locker rooms and and so you know and now he had to own up to what he said and so he called some pastors up they sat down and he began to to wash their feet. Well, as we're watching this video, this was in the days of VHS. Okay, some of you guys have no idea what that is. But me and my, both of my roommates are, are watching this. Um, and we're so in tuned with what, you know, uh, Pastor Tony Evans was saying. We did not notice that Mark went off to get a bucket of water. And he brings that water back and he brings a towel. And we're, me and my other roommate are like, No. No. And so he goes, come on, I'm going to wash your feet. And we're both like, okay, man, you first. And we're like, no, are we, it's amazing how we did not want our feet washed or touched. And so it's a very, I don't know, in a weird way, personal thing to have somebody wash your feet. The worst part is after we humbled ourselves and we sat in the chair and we let Mark wash our feet, how do you think we felt after that? Now we're going, um, God, are we supposed to wash his? 
His feet too? Do I have to touch his feet, you know? And so we did. We kind of all took turns, and it was just this really weird, strange moment (laughs) that we talk about to this day. (laughs) But it was a little bit more applicable here in this story. And so Peter is saying to him, are you really going to wash my feet, Jesus? Are you going to wash my feet? And he says, you'll never wash my feet. And the reason why is because the washing of feet, we'll get into this a little bit more later, was reserved for the lowest servant in the house. And for Jesus to assume that role, Peter was like, no, this, no, this does not, this is not right. And he said, Jesus, not at all. Mm-mm, you're not washing my feet. But we continue. Jesus says later on in verse 8, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. All of a sudden, Peter gets a revelation and in, in, in character. He goes, oh, well, then in that case, not just my feet, Jesus, my head and everything else, behind my ears, you know, my, uh, I don't know. And then... We're going to get into all this, okay? Hopefully, we'll get into all this. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet because he is completely clean. This is a picture of religion. Peter, in his self-righteousness, was saying, Jesus, no, 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 I got this. And how many times do we go, God, no, 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 I'll clean myself up. It's called religion. It's man's way of trying to get clean so that we can get closer to God. And how many know it does not work that way? So this is what Jesus is telling Peter. "Uh Uh-uh. It's not like that. I'm not here to bathe you. I'm here to wash your feet. There's an application here. Verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him. Uh, That's why he said, You are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who was to betray him. That's why he said not all of you are clean. Now, I want you to make note of this. There's something that Jesus knows already. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on uh, his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. For I have given you an example. Jesus is saying, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17, and this is going to tie up our primary text. If you know these things, blessed are you if you what? If you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Father, we just thank you for your word, and we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to show up as you always do, and to do the work that only you can do. Help us to understand your word as we go through this. 
Father, that it would change our lives. Father, that following your example, we would receive the blessing as you said. We're blessed if we know it and do it. Bless our time in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in a series about leadership. And here is our ultimate role model, Jesus, displaying what we call servanthood or, or service. And in this text, we get a picture of Jesus doing the unthinkable. And this is why Peter was so adamant about, don't touch my feet. Jesus, you have no place washing my feet. Here's the reality of what it was back then and why it was applicable. You had people who wore sandals all day. They walked in roads and fields that were muddy and dirty and even, you know, so in, 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 in their feet, in their sandals would be even animal dung. Make sense? And they're probably caked onto toes that were so ugly it looked like they were throwing up gang signs. Imagine that. And so that's why this was reserved for the lowest person in the house. So Jewish people, their servants wouldn't even wash the Jewish owner's feet. It was the Gentiles' job. Anybody who was not Jewish, their servant was the one that would wash the feet. A Jewish person would not even do it. And so this is how, how dirty it was considered. And so now imagine Jesus showing up, putting this towel around his waist, and, and the, the disciples are going, you know, you know, what's going on here? Jesus, what are you doing? And Peter, having the most sense... And being the most outspoken says, uh-uh, Jesus, please, please don't do this. Please. It's almost as if he was saying, no, I don't, I don't want to see you doing that to any of us. And Jesus says, I'm teaching you something here. So we're going to get into this lesson. The title is simply this, Serving Like Jesus. Serving Like Jesus. When it comes to being a great leader, Servanthood doesn't normally make the top 10 list. But it makes Jesus' list every, every single time. And so I want to talk about a few things here. And first I want to talk about the mindset of Jesus. Going back to the first several verses, it reveals a lot about what must have been going on in Jesus' mind. Let's go back to Verse 1 of chapter 13, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them <clears throat> to the end, excuse me. Uh, and then if we, uh, I don't, if we can jump back to verse 3, I know I'm jumping around here, Chris, so thank you for your flexibility, but if not, it's cool, but I'll read it. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. So think about this for a moment. From this point in the story, it would be less than 24 hours before Jesus did what he did and he would die on a cross. So these were the final moments. And I don't know about you, but if you had less than 24 hours how would you spend your time? Who would you speak to? 
and what would you say? There's something about the words of a dying man who knows this is it. This is my last chance. And so what that person is going to say has to be the most important to them. And this is what Jesus does. He chooses to be with his disciples. The 12 that he chose, the 12 that he loved, and he knew that this was his last chance. And then to uh, continue our series on leadership is our lead pastor, Pastor Roland Gray. All right, thank you, Tam. Say, God bless you, Tam. Doesn't she look good up here? Doesn't she look good up here? Great job, Tam. Thank you. You know, we're continuing our series on leadership, and we are serious about raising up leaders and bringing up leaders. Uh, so don't be surprised when you see other faces up here uh, because we believe in trusting people and throwing them out there. Amen. <laughs> and so, no, no, but we believe this is home. We, we believe this is an environment where you just can't lose because we love people too much, don't we? Amen. So, all right. Well, uh, just a, as a, another reminder, next Saturday, uh, we are going to be doing some canvassing in view uh, of looking forward towards our uh, our Easter. The, the, oh, it's the first. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. The first. Okay, but mark that on your calendar. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm traveling next week, ain't I? <laughs> yeah, no, don't come next Saturday. Uh, you'll be by yourself. So, um, But the following Saturday, the first, yes, we're going to be doing some canvassing. We're going out to the neighborhoods. We want the neighborhoods to know that there's a church in their area. We're going to have some door hangers. Look. It is non-threatening, okay? We were joking around this morning. We said we're going to get door hangers. Everybody is, everybody's hope is that they don't run into somebody. So they, they can go and put a door hanger and then leave, right? But how many know getting the word out and inviting people, that's what we want to do because we want God to impact this city using this church. Not only that, it creates a faith muscle in us, doesn't it, to actually go out and to step out and do something. And who knows, maybe you might be one of the lucky ones where they're outside, and you get to say, hi, my name is, and I goes, you know, more times than not, somebody will say, oh, no, thank you. We say, well, God bless you, and we just go on to the next house, okay? So it's non-threatening. We're going to do that. After that, we're going to the park. Uh, we'll give you all that information. Um, it's going to be a bring-your-own-food thing. We're going to bring some Frisbees and footballs. We'll hang out um, and uh, do some, some good uh, fellowship. Amen? All right, so mark that. I hope you make an effort to come out because we do love to get to know you guys. All right, so we have a lot to go over today <clears throat> as we continue our series <clears throat> on leadership. How many know Jesus is the ultimate leader? And so we're going to look at his life and a moment between him and the disciples, and this is going to be the springboard for our uh, message. But uh, I wanted to bring you back in time. Uh, before I was a pastor, I was a campus minister at the University of Guam. Every other Tuesday, we would get all the students together, and we would do this consistently. We'd pair up two by two. We'd get in a group. We'd pray that God would bless us as we go out and we share his word. And then we'd go out by twos, and we would invite people, or we would just kind of share our faith, share our testimony. And there was one particular time where, uh, you know, people aren't breaking down the doors to get to a Bible study all the time, right? And so whenever you have a visitor, you notice it. And there was... One particular student who showed up, and his name was Steve. Steve 
was a part of a program where the government, because of his income, uh, the government paid for his schooling, the government even paid for his housing. And so Steve uh, was probably about maybe 5'2", wasn't uh, very tall. Um, he was morbidly obese, and he, um, he smelled pretty bad, just to be straight up honest with you guys. Uh, smelled pretty bad, uh, but we welcomed him. We loved him. We got to know him, um, and uh, he became consistent in our group. He got saved. He got born again, loved Jesus. There was a particular time where his foot got infected, uh, and so, you know, me being the, the campus minister, you know, the campus pastor, you know, I volunteered, let me, let me help. And so he couldn't get around uh, because he was overweight, he was stuck at home. Uh, and I, so I, I said, well, you know, well, how can I help? He gives me his prescription, I go and I get that, I pick it up, and I also bring his food. And so, being that he was morbidly obese, um, he wasn't able to shower all the time, uh, which is why the, the smell was very evident. He couldn't change his clothes very often, so he wore the same clothes for days at a time. And so if you are uh, from the background where I come from, my mom was Filipino, uh, you don't enter her house without taking off your shoes. And I can remember the first fellowship where we got together as uh, students and he was there. And so we were at um, a student's house and he showed up, and he took off his shoes. And man, I tell you, it would, the, the, there was this smell that, that like not just hit you, it like punches you in the nose, right? And so, but, but we loved him. We, we loved on him. We, you know, he, he became part of us. But back to the story, I get to his apartment, and I, and I walk in, and I was not really prepared for what I saw. You walk into his living room, and you can't really navigate. There was stuff everywhere. Um, so I give him his medicine, and of course I need to get him a drink. And so I head over to his kitchen. And in his kitchen is a sink full of dishes. Probably hadn't been washed, and I, I don't know when. And, and the smell even inside the apartment was, was pretty, pretty pungent. And so... You know, I continue to wash a few dishes so that I can give him a drink so he can take his medicine. Uh, and then some soup that I bought that he can eat because he needed to be on a, on a soft diet. Um, and I can remember, you know, trying to clean and, 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 and roaches and, I mean, just everything. Just you, you guys are getting a picture as to what we were, we were putting, you know, what I was putting myself through. And this is what I was thinking really to be honest with you. And as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, what am, I, what am I doing here? What did I get myself into? You know, it's one thing to, to love somebody, and then it's another thing to, to do this. And me being the spiritual guy, I probably should not have been thinking that. But that's the reality of the situation. I kept asking myself, what am I doing here? I should, I'm, I'm a campus pastor. I should be sharing my faith with people on campus. What am I doing here? And so we're going to read a story in the Bible where I believe Jesus was kind of in the same situation, except he probably wanted to be there, unlike myself. So we're going to turn to John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. Jesus, the God that we love and serve, finds himself 
in a somewhat similar position. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. You can follow along with me on the screen if you don't have something to read in your hands. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. By the way, Simon's son, that's the only time this man's name was named in the Bible. I don't know if you would want to be that parent where you're named specifically because of something that your kids did that was not good. But that's the only time his, Judas's dad is mentioned. Uh, and it's not for a good reason. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, that's speaking of authority, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. Now, I don't know if, if you have ever washed anybody's feet. And I'm not talking about your children when they're small. I'm talking about if you've ever washed somebody's feet. Even worse, I don't know if somebody has ever washed your feet. In our culture, it, this doesn't really apply, but we're still going to get the picture here. We're going to get into this. But I, I can remember a time where... Uh, it was about the same time where I had known Steve. Um, it was me and a couple of other single guys. We split the rent on an apartment. I don't know if you guys remember me telling a story about one of my roommates who would pray for my car whenever it broke down. I don't know if you guys remember that. His name was Mark, Mark McCorkle. He is now a U.S. Army chaplain. He's one of my friends with the biggest faith that I know. And um, we were watching one of my Favorite speakers in the world. His name is uh, Pastor Tony Evans. You guys might know who he is. Um, great teacher. We were watching this video when he was younger. And he was doing this men's conference. And he was talking about this scripture here. And he's talking about washing, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And he began to make reference to his friends who were pastors. And he said, you know, if there was a basin of water here, pastors because because I love you and because you're my brothers I would wash your feet he continued to preach lo and behold a couple of guys walk up with a tub of water and some chairs and some towels I don't know where they got it in this gigantic stadium maybe they went to the locker rooms and and so you know and now he had to own up to what he said and so he called some pastors up they sat down and he began to to wash their feet. Well, as we're watching this video, this was in the days of VHS. Okay, some of you guys have no idea what that is. But me and my, both of my roommates are, are watching this. Um, and we're so in tuned with what, you know, uh, Pastor Tony Evans was saying. We did not notice that Mark went off to get a bucket of water. And he brings that water back and he brings a towel. And we're, me and my other roommate are like, No. No. And so he goes, come on. 
I'm going to wash your feet. And we're both like, okay, man, you first. And we're like, no, we, it's amazing how we did not want our feet washed or touched. And so it's a very, I don't know, in a weird way, personal thing to have somebody wash your feet. The worst part is after we humbled ourselves and we sat in the chair and we let Mark wash our feet, how do you think we felt after that? Now we're going, um, God, are we supposed to wash his, his feet too? Do I have to touch his feet, you know? And so we did. We kind of all took turns, and it was just this really weird, strange moment <laughs> that we talk about to this day. <laughs> but it was a little bit more applicable here in this story. And so Peter is saying to him, are you really going to wash my feet, Jesus? Are you, are you going to wash my feet? And he says, you'll never wash my feet. And the reason why is because the washing of feet, we'll get into this a little bit more later, was reserved for the lowest servant in the house. And for Jesus to assume that role, Peter was like, no, this, no, this does not, this is not right. And he said, Jesus, not at all. Mm-mm, you're not washing my feet. But we continue. Jesus says later on in verse 8, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. All of a sudden, Peter gets a revelation and, and in character. He goes, oh, well, then in that case, not just my feet, Jesus, my head and everything else, behind my ears, you know, my, uh, I don't know. And then we're going to get into all this, okay? Hopefully we'll get into all this. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet because he is completely clean. This is a picture of religion. Peter in his self-righteousness was saying, Jesus, no, 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 I got this. And how many times do we go, God, no, 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 I can, I'll clean myself up. It's called religion. It's man's way of trying to get clean so that we can get closer to God. And how many know it does not work that way? So this is what Jesus is telling Peter. "Uh Uh-uh. It's not like that. I'm not here to bathe you. I'm here to wash your feet. There's an application here. Verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him. Uh, That's why he said, you are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you. Are clean. Now I want you to make note of this. There's something that Jesus knows already. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on uh, his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. For I have given you an example. Jesus is saying, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, 
nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17, and this is going to tie up our primary text. If you know these things, blessed are you if you what? If you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Father, we just thank you for your word and we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to show up as you always do and to do the work that only you can do. Help us to understand your word as we go through this. Father, that it would change our lives. Father, that following your example, we would receive the blessing as you said. We're blessed if we know it and do it. Bless our time in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in a series about leadership. And here is our ultimate role model, Jesus, displaying what we call servanthood or, or service. And in this text, we get a picture of Jesus doing the unthinkable. And this is why Peter was so adamant about, don't touch my feet. Jesus, you have no place washing my feet. Here's the reality of what it was back then and why it was applicable. You had people who wore sandals all day. They walked in roads and fields that were muddy and dirty and even, you know, so in, 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 in their feet, in their sandals would be even animal dung. Make sense? And they're probably caked onto toes that were so ugly it looked like they were throwing up gang signs. Imagine that. And so that's why this was reserved for the lowest person in the house. So Jewish people, their servants wouldn't even wash the Jewish owner's feet. It was the Gentiles' job. Anybody who was not Jewish, their servant was the one that would wash the feet. A Jewish person would not even do it. And so this is how how dirty it was considered. And so now imagine Jesus showing up, putting this towel around his waist, and, and the, the disciples are going, you know, you know, what's going on here? Jesus, what are you doing? And Peter, having the most sense and being the most outspoken, says, uh-uh, Jesus, please, please don't do this. Please. It's almost as if he was saying, no, I don't, I don't want to see you doing that to any of us. And Jesus says, I'm teaching you something here. So we're going to get into this lesson. The title is simply this, Serving Like Jesus. Serving Like Jesus. When it comes to being a great leader, servanthood doesn't normally make the top ten list. But it makes Jesus' list every, every single time. And so I want to talk about a few things here. And first, I want to talk about the mindset of Jesus. Going back to the first several verses, it reveals a lot about what must have been going on in Jesus' mind. Let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 13. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them <clears throat> to the end. Excuse me. Uh, and then if we, uh, I don't, if we can jump back to verse 3. I know I'm jumping around here, Chris, so thank you for your flexibility. But if not, it's cool, but I'll read it. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands 
and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. So think about this for a moment. From this point in the story, it would be less than 24 hours before Jesus did what he did and he would die on a cross. So these were the final moments. And I don't know about you, but if you had less than 24 hours, how would you spend your time? Who would you speak to? And what would you say? There's something about the words of a dying man who knows this is it. This is my last chance. And so what that person is going to say has to be the most important to them. And this is what Jesus does. He chooses to be with his disciples. The 12 that he chose, the 12 that he loved, and he knew that this was his last chance to drop an impartation of wisdom that is going to get them to go to the rest of the world and to have what we have to this day. So he chooses to teach them of all things, his, his dying words, so to speak, his very last message to those who have dropped everything to spend their life with him, and it was humility through service. Humility through service. And he, teaches, uh, he chooses to teach this lesson not by speaking it, but by humbling himself and actually doing it. So when you think about Jesus, God, and, and King, and he's sitting in heaven, and our worship team got up here, and Leah talked about how the, how the angels nonstop are worshiping. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, nonstop. And Jesus removes himself from his throne, and he comes down to this earth. Number one, that's already humility. Even before he does this, to remove himself from that culture that he's used to. I don't know what heaven looks like. We can imagine the golden streets and the gems, and I don't know. But Jesus chooses to uproot and drop himself here with us. And so... He washes their feet, which was, again, back then it was necessary. Now, I believe it is still necessary for some of us here to wash your feet, and I hope that you do. Uh, one of my pet peeves, you could ask my wife, when I was growing up, I had two other brothers, and we didn't have a lot of money, and we would fight over socks. And so one of the things that I do now is I have a drawer just full of socks. We, me and my boys never run out of socks. We just got baskets for it. If anybody needs socks, let me know. Okay, that's how, that's, how, that's how messed up I was and jacked up from, from our situation, me and my brothers. You know, we'd wear mixed match socks and, you know, there'd be holes in them. And, you know, and then they, I was the youngest. So they were too big for me, so I'd fold them under my hand and slip my foot in. So I'd have extra cushion at the bottom of my feet. But here's the reality of the situation here. This is the Last Supper. We know it as the Last Supper. And if you remember in the Bible, it always says whenever there's kind of a dinner party or something formal where they're eating, it says that they recline at the table. You guys might remember that. So what it looks like is this. So Jesus is getting down on his knees, right? 
He's getting down on his knees to wash the feet of the disciples. When it says that they're reclining at the table, this is what it looks like. A table is about this high, and they're leaning, and they're kind of leaning on their left hand as they're eating. And they sit in a circle. So guess who's at my feet? (laughs) My best buddy, right? But now look where my face is. What? And so now you know why it was necessary. They did not eat until, they did not even come in until they washed their feet. Okay, so is that a good understanding and illustration? You guys get it? And so this is why it was necessary. It was, and this was the ultimate sign of humility for Jesus to get in there and to dig in them toenails with all that toe jam and all that gunk and all that stuff and to actually touch the disciples' feet. But this is what Jesus chose to do and so there's this picture of God with a towel around his waist and lowering himself to the place of not just a servant but the lowest servant there ever could be at the moment so Jesus is sending a message that there won't do to serve you and if Jesus is our example we should be exactly the same because sometimes when we serve, sometimes we think some things are beneath us. I'll do this. Oh, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, sign me up for that. But uh, no, nah, man, I, I don't do that. I don't hang out with the children. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Right? Oh, those campus guys, yeah, they're a little too rowdy. Nah, I'm not going to. Right? Why are you guys laughing? Still right? It's good. It's good right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm telling you. But Jesus said, I will do anything. And so this is kind of the way I felt when it was me and Steve, and I walked into his house, and I'm going, I really didn't want to be in there. Just the smell alone. There were times where we would be in Bible study, and people would have to leave because they would feel sick. But I'm telling you, we love that man. We loved him. So he, I, I believe uh, probably about six or seven years ago, we, we got word that Steve passed away.